Hello, travelers. This is Paula Schmidt, and welcome to my theater of the mind, Evening's Kingdom. In today's episode, we are about to go deep into Fern's world as she falls head over heels for a lovely someone. And I am preparing to release Evening's Kingdom, books one and two, to Kindle this fall. So the question is, would you like a free reviewer's copy? I would love your help and I would love your advice. To join in, please visit eveningskingdom.com and click subscribe on the bar up top. I am also working on a brand new fantasy series, which is like the X-Files with witches time travel, and an especially magic cafe. I would love, love, love your thoughts on that as well. So calling all fantasy lovers, please do reach out and say hello to get first peek. This is Paula Schmidt, and thank you for listening. We continue. Chapter 7, Fern. Fern sauntered towards the outskirts of the massive campground, her slingshot tucked jauntily into her hip belt. She'd never even imagined so many cheer glow in one place. The wash of so many good smells, of lush colors and sounds all at once was dizzying. Families just like hers, kneading their milk bags to help the fermenting along, weaving and gossiping and sprinting their antelopes, Admiring Uma's big catling from a safe distance, Fern nodded shyly to anyone who noticed her, pretending a calm she did not feel. That loud group over there, with the silvery, sleekly-topped wagons, those must be the river people, she thought. She'd heard stories about how they flipped their wagons and pulled them, wheels up, down the river in high season, and then they slept up there between the wheels, having upside-down dreams. That was what Tolu said. She figured the upside-down dreams part to be one of his lies, but who knew? If Fern had learned anything from her time alone in the cloud forest, it was that there were so many layers to existence that one should never assume anything. Suddenly, a boy's voice cut into her thoughts. Going hunting? He said. Fern turned. She had to look up to meet his eyes. He was tall, dark, and slender with creamy olive skin. He tossed his head slightly to flip the hair out of his eyes, and oh, he was beautiful. The way his upper lip caught the light was beautiful. Long black eyelashes, an impudent chin. Unselfconscious as a wild animal, standing there looking at her with calm, wild eyes. Fern's heart thrummed. Yeah, she said indifferently. He held up his own slingshot and grinned. Mind if I come with you? His name was Owain. He was from the river. Yes, sometimes they lived whole seasons, wheels up on the river. His arms were lean and chiseled from a lifetime of poling through the shallows. That's why his shoulders are so wide, Fern thought to herself. And for a flash, she imagined his arms around her. What? Owain said grinning. I'd love to do that too, 
Fern said. The water must get into your dreams. The rocking at night. The sounds. The moon reflecting off the water. Do you dream upside down? She wanted to ask him. It does, Owain said. I love it. It's a separate reality. When we take back Ulali from the occupiers, I'm going to commandeer a big ship from one of those chalice traders and run it all up and down the coast. I'm going to see everything there is to see. Fern laughed. That would be wonderful, but why? I mean, why do you want to see it? To see everything. Is it so you can know what's out there, or Owain considered? I guess I like finding out what will happen next, he said. Adventure, Fern said. The biggest, he said. It's something I've been thinking about a lot lately, Fern said. I'm thinking about moving on, away from home. Not that home is a place, really. Home isn't our caravan, you know. It's not people, not really. My dad always says that, but he's wrong. Home is a feeling. Feeling peaceful in your heart, maybe. Owain looked at her, grinning. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm always peaceful, but there's moments, right, when you touch it. That feeling. Fern fell silent, exhilarated. Shadows had grown long, and the burrows were easy to spot. You looked for a dark scoop in the ground, and then you gazed with soft eyes, looking around slowly until you saw one. A rabbit nibbling in the brush. There we go, Fern thought. A nice, big one. She whistled sharply, and the animal froze, its head tucking back. She raised her slingshot and sent the stone winging into its skull. The rabbit dropped dead. And in that instant, Fern saw another, and she dropped it too. You're good, Owain said. Surprised? Fern stuck the slingshot back into her hip belt and went over to pick up the rabbits. No. Owain scratched his head, laughing. I saw you walking around earlier. The way you were looking at things, I could tell you were smart and confident and, uh, <laughs> he trailed off, embarrassed. But I didn't know you were good. Way better than me. Owain aimed his slingshot and then thought better of it. I think I'd rather watch you than hunt. Wasn't that your plan all along? Owain protested. But a smile had begun to spread unstoppably across his beautiful face. Fern could see that he was blushing, even in the dark. I got good because I was in the cloud forest before this, she said, rescuing him. The rabbits there are so fast, they basically fly. You have to aim without thinking. You know, reflexive. You see, you shoot. It's because of the snakes there. I saw this one snake, longer than five wagons. It could just snap, and it would catch you midair. You couldn't even see him till he struck. She rolled her shoulders, remembering. So the rabbits are really fast. Were you scared? He said. Yeah, it was humbling. But you know, it was that feeling I was talking about when you know you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Do you know what I mean? Owain's eyes were soft on hers. I think I do. It was like that. Yeah. Owain ran his hand through his hair again. I heard you were up there. Fern was startled. Tulu, he's with your camp? Seeing Fern's expression, Owain went on quickly. Don't worry, he didn't say anything, just that, you know, you were there, that's all. Fern looked down. Tulu doesn't know anything. I mean, he does, but not about that, you know? Yeah, 
It's bad luck to talk about the gifts the spirits give you, Fern said in a low voice. It's disrespectful. Their gifts are just for you, unless they tell you to share them. Words that are a gift to one person might be poison to another. The spirits had told Fern she could share their prophecy, but that her ally was for her and her alone. Maybe, Owain said. My family, we've been taught it is okay to talk about those things. Sometimes maybe a vision comes to you, but it's for everybody. Or maybe to help someone who is sick. Or maybe you need elders to help you understand it or remember it. But I guess, yeah, I, I can see why there's some parts you have to keep for yourself. So the medicine stays strong? Fern smiled. Yeah, maybe it would feel good to talk about them, but I think the power might fade. I don't know, I've never... That's good, Owain said. They fell into an easy silence, walking together, and Fern liked everything about him. Owain's big hands, his thoughtful confidence, his relaxed intensity, as if he could flow easily between war and song seamlessly, like an animal. Feeling deliciously warm all over, she turned to nab another rabbit, and then took her time in collecting it, so Owain wouldn't be embarrassed to take another shot himself. She watched his silhouette aim, drop his arm, and then take aim again. He was lithe and strong, but she smiled to herself, too slow to catch anything in the cloud forest. When they rejoined, he'd finally shot a rabbit himself. They sat down in the sand to compare pelts, and a loud cloudburst of laughter came from the camp behind them as the moon ambled up into the sky. I've never been with so many Chiriclo all in one place, Fern said, rolling onto her back. I almost feel too happy. Drums began to beat in the distance. Sounds like there's dancing, Owain said. We'd better get back, Fern said. They'll want these for the pot. Owain leaned on one arm, looking at her. His pretty mouth shone in the silver light. His face was thin and sharp-jawed, and Fern could smell the salt of his sweat, the clean, warm animal's smell of his tousled hair. Do you have someone? He said. Just me, Fern said, softly. I'd like to kiss you, he said. Fern stopped breathing. Her eyes were full of him. Someday, Owain said, if you'd want that too. When better? Fern laughed, skittering up to her feet and dancing away. Oh, <laughs> floating on a vast cloud. Now he'd have to catch her. And instantly Owain was there, his arms around her. Yes, Fern said. He kissed her. The heart-pounding sweetness of his kiss took her breath away. His touch was endlessly soft, his hands playing down through her long hair, gathering it, tugging it so lightly that she tingled all over. Finally, she stepped back, smiling to herself, and turned back to the night fires, rabbits swaying from her belt. Owain followed and took her hand. They walked into camp together, still holding hands. After the cool, open dunes, the heat of so many people in one place felt almost overwhelming, and Owain's palm to hers was electrifying. She was ultra-alive everywhere his body touched hers. As they came towards the big fire at the center of the gathering, men, women, and thirdlings parted before them, meeting Fern's eyes differently now. They saw her, but now they saw something else, too. 
an alliance, a beautiful new alliance. Chapter 8, Fern As they walked through the crowd, Fern was hotly aware of the taste of Owain's mouth on her lips, the bracelet of his touch where his hands had been. She felt scaldingly alive, and yet also so soothed. Oh, it was strange. It was wonderful. Jericho danced wildly around a huge central night fire, stripped to the waist and gleaming with sweat to the screaming music. Drummers yowled and beat their feet upon the ground. The music seared into fern like adrenaline, and they danced. As other dancers whirled and cried around them, Owain pulled her clothes, firelight on his cheeks and in his hair. For a heartbeat, she felt as if he were the jaguar, her ally who'd come to visit her in the forest. The depthless, slow blink of Owain's watchful, silent, smiling eyes. He almost kissed her again, but did not. Only stood, drinking her in. It was maddening, his closeness. His eyes flicking teasingly between her eyes and her mouth. And then Fern saw Toulouse smiling behind them. Look at you two little catkins, just walking between the raindrops, Toulouse said. Don't you ever go and get old. Owain looked at him quietly. Your mouth is wet, he said. Fern was mortified. Owain squeezed her hand, letting her know it was all right. Huh, you should be so lucky, boy, Toulouse said. But the younger man stood tall. I am, Owain said. Toulouse paused and then laughed, tossing Owain his own milk skin to drink from. Owain drank deeply, flinging his head back, and then he laughed, too, wiping his mouth with the back of his hand. The night fire behind them was enormous, and all their faces gleamed with sweat in the dark. Owain handed the skin to Fern, and when she drunk from it, too, he kissed her. Right there in front of everyone, and as he held her waist lightly with one hand, with the other, he tossed Tolu back the empty skin. Tolu roared, Alrighty then, boyo. But Owain never took his eyes away from Ferns. You know the funny thing about dreams, he said. They can get away from you if you don't know how to handle them. They don't stick around if you let them slip through your fingers. I've seen it happen. So have I, Fern said, looking at him gravely. Owain leaned close, his breath tingled down Fern's neck, and she felt that wordless drift again. She felt as if time and sand and everything in the world but Owain fell away. I would hold onto a comet's tail to keep you beside me forever, he said. Fern shook her head slowly. I'm not a dream, Owain. Don't you put me on a pedestal. See me, just as I really am. He rested his forehead to hers. I see you. Beside them, a Chiriclo woman with long red hair stood smiling, swaying a little from the alcoholic milk. Her dress of purple fabric clung to her like scales to a snake, and her full, smiling mouth gleamed like ripe fruit. Tell me, good sir, she said, leaning towards Tolu. Is it true what they say about executioners? The longer his staff, the closer comes the dawn. Tolu opened his arms. Tonight, tonight, ah, my lady, tonight you will cry for the night to last forever. She put her hands on her generous hips and laughed. 
Bless your heart, man. Your staff isn't big enough for all that. A man can only be a man, Toulouse said, purring close. But what is woman? She turned sideways to him coquettishly. <laughs> you don't even know. Now Toulouse took her in his arms. Dance with me, honey, and I will show you what I do know. The dancers flew around the fire. Chiriclo peoples from every corner of Tensingland, pulsing as one with the drummers. Fern shook out her hair and the world spun, wild as rain. And for all that night, the peoples were joyful and deathless as starlight itself, all their boundaries gone. One people indivisible, above all desert and suspicion and trial. This is Paula Schmidt, and thank you for listening. If you love fantasy books, do visit me at eveningskingdom.com where I have a lot for your perusal, as well as books you can buy, etc. And if you're really enjoying the show, again, please reach out to hit me up for a free reviewer's copy of books one and two if you happen to be listening to this show anytime after the summer of 2022. Please reach out anyway. I have a lot of stories on deck. And the help of readers like you is absolutely everything. Please subscribe and stay tuned. The rest of the story is just down the road.